Hello and welcome to Fringe Binge, Daily Doses from the Edinburgh Festival. I'm your host, Phil Ellis, and it's episode 19. And thank God, because I've been dying to do this wonderful joke for so many days now. Here we go. <clears throat> it's episode 19. 19. No, 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 19. And then something about Vietnam. <clears throat> do you remember that song? Anyway, let's crack on. Today on the show, I sat down with a cinnamon swirl, an echinacea tea, and my favourite German, Henning Venn. This is a great episode because we don't just chat about comedy in general and first gigs, etc. We kind of move toward Henning's philosophy about comedy in life, really. It does end with me talking about myself for about a minute, but in fairness, I was asked, and I was going to cut it out, but then I thought, no, do you know what? I'm giving all these other comedians space. I'll talk about me for a change. So, yeah, you can turn it off at that point if you want. Thanks so much for listening. I do hope you enjoy the episode. Now. <laughs> I wanted to start before you finished eating. You've just, had a, you've just finished eating a, uh, what are they called? What's this called? It's just a, like a cinnamon bun. Yeah, cinnamon it? bun probably, like yeah. Cinnamon swirl. Very nice. The swirl, that's it. Very nice. This is the only time I've been given any kind of pastry goods at, at one of these. Mm. And in fact, it's the only second time I've been invited to someone's home. That only goes to show how lazy I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sat on a very large armchair, and I'm just putting my mic lead on a cinnamon swirl, and uh, I'm sat opposite the, the lovely, the very talented, the cross-legged <laughs> Henning Venn. <laughs> and cross-eyed. Cross-eyed, cross-legged, yeah. but not cross that's what I like about you. <laughs> nice, you've got a, such a nice demeanor. Hello, Henning. Hello. Thank Phil. you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I mean, I, I asked you if you would do it. Obviously, you didn't just ring me and beg me because you've heard that the podcast is really. Well, I listened to the uh, one with Lloyd Langford, and uh, it's really good laugh. That, that was really entertaining half hour. Y- yeah. Well, I'd leave it at that. <laughs> Downhill after the Lloyd episode. <laughs> No, it's been, I've been very lucky with all the guests. It's been a lot of fun. It's, uh, do you do a lot of podcasts then? Or is this, uh, not really, no. Why do you think? Is it because you, you're too busy or do you not, do you not get asked? It's always a faff, isn't it? They Bit re- of a they, faff. Re- they, really, they really say I come round yours. Yeah, they, yeah. They, if that was more often the deal, then they say, I come round yours where you are. Say, yeah, I'm happy on your podcast. You're like, are you prepared to do an hour's goose chase to get to some place. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm very... I mean, I like to go into people's homes anyway just to see what... Even uh, if they're not there, yeah. Even if they're, especially, especially if they're not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in here earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Checking the location. Yeah. You slept very well. <laughs> you had a, little, a little bit of dribble at one point, just wiped it away. Oh, yeah, thank you. It's all right. It's all part of the service. <laughs> so, Henning, uh, your show this year is called It'll All Come Out in the Wash. It's at the Queen's Hall at 7pm this Thursday, Friday and Saturday. That's right. And you're only doing, you've done every Thursday, Friday and Saturday of the run. That's right. But only Thursday, Friday and Saturday. That's right. And uh, would you like to, to explain to the uh, the listeners at home, or maybe they're in a car, or maybe just lying in their own vomit in the streets, <laughs> as I, I suspect many of my listeners are. Would you like to explain why you're only doing Thursday, Friday and Saturday? Because... It's enough, isn't it? I think, yeah. I think it's so. It's like all that, oh, you have to do six nights a week and all that. No, you don't. No, oh, no. I mean, I remember I'd done, uh, probably must remember, first five, six fringes without a single day off at all in the whole month. And I thought, hmm. why would I take a day off? And now, 
I'm thinking, why would I only take one day off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like also not bad. Uh, it's also because it's uh, the capacity of of the venue is quite. It's relatively big for the for the standards here in Edinburgh mm. and with the market conditions slightly unknown. Mm. Been there when I was there three years ago at the Queen's Hall. I did four days a week. This time round, I thought can't really judge what the market is yeah, going yeah. to do. So uh, it's nothing wrong with going down a quarter. So how big is the Queen's Hall then? That's how big is. Well, it's like uh, it's like a movable target, really. Uh, so <laughs> it's like depends on. It can hold up to 900, wow. but it can equally hold 700 or whatever they decide, how many chairs they put in or how they configure it. And yeah, yeah. That's big, though. That's amazing. And but the good thing is it's like uh, it's benches. Mm. That means if there's fewer people, they spread out a bit more. Yeah, so even if good. you've got 300, it would still look, uh, still look full. Yeah, get those larger fans in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want. Is that why you're feeding me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. fill out the front row by, <laughs> by Saturday. Which is quite funny that you say that because the whole, or part of the show is that uh, it's essentially the whole show is an unbiased look at the COVID crisis. Oh, yes. And uh, part of the drive is that people have got a responsibility for their own else. Yeah, So, yeah. and... Uh, so, like, if, if someone were to go to the GP with high blood pressure, if the GP really wanted to cure the patient, they would have to say, well, make yourself a nice vegetable soup and do a few star jumps. So, but no one wants to hear that. So, and oh. that's how we ended up in the situation we're in. <laughs> oh, my, well, you heard it here first. <laughs> I had to point out, I, did, I didn't agree with Henning at any point during that. <laughs> but I went for a checkup recently. Are you 48 now? You 40, yeah. Yeah. How do you know that? I've done research, Henning. <laughs> <laughs> I actually. How much are you? You, 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 you? I'm not. How much are you? This is taking a turn. Quid. <laughs> <laughs> 20 quid in 2019, not anymore. <laughs> I'll take a tenner and a bun. <laughs> uh, I'm 40 now. No way. Yeah, I turned 40. And uh, and did you notice it? Because you were saying when you rang up earlier, you said, oh, I'm getting older now. I only want to do three days. Do you genuinely feel your, your energy? Like, because how long have you been coming up to the fringe now? Every year since 05. Since 05. And, you know, the first few years, you're, you're on firing all those cylinders. It's mm. such an exciting month, isn't it? And you, yeah. You, like you say, you don't want a night off. You get in the flow. I'm at 40 now going, I'm not going out a lot. There was the, the Dave party the other night, and I just bought some raw chicken and went home and made chicken thighs. Are you finding that now you're up? You want? Yeah, I mean, this is doing this is my second extracurricular activity. Oh yeah. The the the, the only other one was uh, uh, did a podcast with not a pod, uh, the Clive Anderson thing there at the assembly. Oh yeah. So done that, and now you're you're the second. We're already in in the fourth week of the of the fringe. Yeah. So it gives you an idea that uh, <laughs> no, I try to keep a fairly low profile. Yeah. Do you gig much on the circuit now then outside of Edinburgh? Because you don't really need to do. You can tour and do TV. Yeah, you don't it's really like the, the I mean yeah, I've been really on tour since. 2010 you know so i would say i've been off the circuit largely since uh since 2010 and again when you when you tour what is the incentive of going somewhere and doing 20 minutes so it's like yeah on the again you come back to it's nice to socialize yeah but other than that what's the point no you're because right because the idea is if, if anything you want to run in new material but if you're booked somewhere to do 20 minutes you can't just go on there with bits and bobs so it has to be 
material you know works. Yeah. So and you don't really need you uh, you don't really need to check if the material you know works works because you know it works. Yeah. So yeah. and if you were to go on with new material, it would probably end in a debacle and everyone going, oh, he's shit. Yeah, yeah, I won't go. I won't go to his tour. Yeah, exactly. So it's just <laughs> nothing gained by it. Nothing yeah. gained by anything, really. In life. No, not really. I, I, I wish I hadn't got up today, but they. <laughs> 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 but because so that means that you're only on the set because you moved to England in two thousand and two. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I sh- I Have tell you, you done research? I've done what? research. <laughs> and this is like what I love. When did you move to uh, Britain? Moved to Britain. Yeah. Well, I've still not officially done that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd rather, I'd rather not put this. I just mould my way in and uh-uh. popped up in Preston. Uh-uh. <laughs> just tunnelled in. <laughs> but no one knows where from. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you moved in, in 2002 to work for Wickham Wanderers. That's right. In the marketing department. Yeah, and they won 3 0 on the weekend away to Barnsley. And I'm not taking all the credit. But <laughs> <laughs> Do you still follow them? Oh, Wickham yeah, Wanderers? yeah, 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 yeah. Is that your team then? Yeah. Oh, right. Was it before you got a job with them? I never heard of them. <laughs> no, I didn't so, until uh, I did the research <laughs> on you. <laughs> no, I... Third, uh, third I the, league. The company I worked for back home, uh, they were about to go under. They looked at my CV, it looked all right, but I didn't speak English. I was then really basic school English. Mm. So I thought, uh, let's go to Blighty for a few months, learn English. So I applied to all the 92 league clubs. Yeah. And then ended up with a job at Wickham Wanderers. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, still fairly... Fairly close contact to the club. And did you, did you, could you speak, obviously you could speak English before you moved over. but Like you, a moron. I mean, you might say not much has changed, but... Uh, uh, no, no, we have lovely. I mean, you can't see this, but Henning's got his little speaking spell next to him. He's, <laughs> he's got a picture of a cow on it. He hits it, it says cow, and does a little moo. And <laughs> he has a little, had a little practice before he started. <laughs> so, Henning, more research. Mm. You were born in Hagen. That's right, yeah. Ruhr Valley. Which is, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, it's the 41st largest city in Germany. I would have said there or thereabouts. I wouldn't have known 41st. <laughs> 41st. So but how many did we drop then back in 1990 with reunification? How many places did we lose? I don't know. It's, uh, you nearly slipped out the top 50 uh, at one point. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what's interesting is that I've never seen someone's Wikipedia page with their polit- a comedian with their political views written down, which apparently is libertarian. I don't even know what that means. I didn't have to Google it. Can you enlighten me? What am I? Uh, I think you same. I think you're all right. Don't worry. Uh-huh. I don't think you have to go on GB News quite yet. This festival has proven one thing: that can happen to anyone at any time. It's it means uh, you've got like you want people to have autonomy over the views, and you know people to have a bit of freedom they, to think what they want and do what they want. That sounds fair And that's enough. controversial? No, I don't, I don't know. I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote it down. I went, and I thought, oh, I it's mean, fine. I don't know who bothers writing other people's Wikipedia pages. I've written mine. <laughs> Some people do write their own Wikipedia, you know. Yeah, you can always tell when it's written in first person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big giveaway. <laughs> so when you moved in 2002... Uh, to Britain. What was the first uh, What was the first gig you ever saw then? What made you want to do it? The comedy. You... That was uh, in Greenwich. There was a Laughing Horse gig. I was living in Greenwich oh, yeah. at the time. Laughing I'd Horse run country... the free festival up here huh? as well. They run the free festival. They, up yeah, here. yeah, and yeah, very well, horse. very well. Um, that was in 03 at some point. I was living in Greenwich, walking past the 
past the pub, I think it was the, the Spanish Tavern or whatever it was uh, is called. And uh, they had a sign outside saying tonight's stand-up comedy. Mm. I never heard of it, but I said, oh, I wonder what that is. Yeah. Uh, went in there and enjoyed what I saw. It was really low level. Yeah, yeah. So and that was that was really good because if the first gig I would have gone to would have been a comedy store, I would have said, Ah, I would love to do that, but they're all so good I stand, no chance. Mm -hmm. Whereas that was of such low quality. So <laughs> blimey, I I can do better than that in a second language. So <laughs> Right, so that's, yeah, so you just went in. Do you remember who was on? Do you remember anyone? Yeah, uh, headliner was Gary Delaney. Oh, wow. And I got him a beer, and then in return, he wrote me down a few phone numbers of my uh, oh, really? comedy gigs. Oh, and then nice. I rang round uh, the next day and arranged a few uh, open mic gigs. Oh, lovely. He's always been a good guy. guy. Yeah. I, I did one of my first gigs with him. He scribbled some numbers out of my phone book that night after he saw me. Gave <laughs> 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 me some wrong numbers. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, I think Paolo Ferrari was on. Paolo Ferrari. <laughs> a little call back to the Lloyd Langford episode because uh, you gigged with Paul, Paolo Ferrari. Many a time, yeah. He was uh, Italian Swiss. And uh, Lloyd was telling us how he would just be the unpredictable act crashing through windows. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But he, he had a really warm personality. Yeah, you see, he, it was interesting because he came across as quite a nice guy. Absolutely. He just wanted to do these things. Yeah, he'll be doing something really interesting now. Yeah, yeah. He probably invented Bitcoin or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel that, well, I suppose you're not on the circuit as such, but do you, do you feel that maybe comedy's missing those people a bit? It always seems a little bit too career-driven now. It would be nice I to don't it. know. I think I, my gut feeling would be if you go to the open mic scene now, Mm. I would be surprised if there wasn't a similar mm. strata and variety of people. You still see some. I, I saw a guy I, called Mr. Dolphin. Just had a papier-mâché dolphin on his head. <laughs> but he'd obviously been using it for too long at one point, and the jaw got a bit weird, and it, <laughs> it was the most <laughs> horrific thing. And he just speaks, I'm Mr. Uh, dolphin. And it's like, this man's going through a divorce. Yeah, see, therefore, you can't say the circuit is dead. No, you can't. <laughs> no, so that makes you miss it a bit. Yeah, it's like them yeah. things. I mean, it's them things where you think mm. that's actually well worth seeing yeah. or well worth experiencing being part of it. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was, and that is still the great thing about comedy that you have got people with all different backgrounds and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and ideas. And there was always that, that, that snobbery about if, say, people aren't any good, oh, yeah, they shouldn't be on, on bills where people have to pay, or, uh, you know, the customers mm. have to pay and all that. They shouldn't be doing stand-up. They've got no talent. I said, well, but if, if, if you go by that, they, I wouldn't have been allowed to play football from the age of five. Yeah, yeah. Because it was obvious I wouldn't turn professional. Yeah, yeah. But if then someone said, oh, you're not allowed to play football ever, well, that's a bit harsh. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's interesting. That's the thing. There is room on the circuit for everyone. What was the first gig you actually did then? So Gary Delaney gives you some contacts. Yes, there was a gig... Uh, in London of uh, Essex Road, there was a pub called uh, Purple Turtle. Purple Turtle. And they had an open mic night. And uh, there was hardly anyone in the audience. But I remember there was, there was two geezers at the bar with a dog. And then the dog started barking. Throughout, and that, got, that dog got more attention in the room mm -hmm. than any of the acts that were about to go on. And all. So, uh, yeah, and that's where you then... I think, oh, wasn't it scary? Wasn't it scary? There wasn't anyone there. Yeah, so they so were to get scared. I, the, the whole idea of stand up being scary. I think the circuit polices itself very well because you never get booked 
for gigs that you're not ready for because the promoters mm. are all by definition conservative because they they want to keep their regulars yeah, and yeah. if they put a terrible bill on where no one can do it well they lose their regulars so they make double sure and whoever is on can do their job so the likelihood of you being thrown into a situation you can't deal with is quite unlikely yeah yeah I know what you mean. Sometimes people go, oh, they're the gatekeepers of things. I go, well, it's the, it's a business. Mm. So you don't want you coming on with your dolphin head for no, you know, <laughs> you know, you've got to, they'll come Same and Saying now, I would make an exception for the dolphin head. Oh, yeah, yeah. I may be closing. <laughs> be closing. I'd put him on tour. <laughs> you should get him for your support. <laughs> he might fix the head. Um, so that was your first gig. Do you remember what your first joke was? Or any of your first set? I have, funnily enough. See, I, I didn't know. A lot of things just happened quite naturally. Like, for example, when I first started, I had a stopwatch around my neck. <laughs> so, and the simple reason for that was that I was in the first two, three gigs, realised how anal the promoters are about how long you're meant to be on stage. Right, now, yeah. I don't wear a wristwatch. I've never worn a wristwatch. Mm. So, now, how can I time how long I've been on stage? So I'm going to get myself a stopwatch. So I put that thing around my neck, say, yeah, off we go. And mm. uh, then that played into that stereotype of Germans having, doing everything with their stopwatch. But the reason is it was just necessity. Yeah, yeah. Because promoters so anal about how long you're on stage. They thought, well, that's the most obvious way of timing how long I've been on stage. Yeah. But then people thought that you were doing it for a different Exactly. Right. So right, that, is, that taught me very early on, never question why people laugh. Yeah, yeah. Never question if they want to see this in you or that in you, let them. So you would have come off the circuit. Well, so fairly quick. Well, not quickly, I suppose. 2010, you say you've been off the circuit. Really. Yeah. But that's that's through <coughs> doing Edinburgh, lots of Edinburgh's, more TV exposure, radio, and that enables you then to tour. Do you find, um, do, you have a, do you have a support act on tour? Mm-mm. No. No. Do you miss the green room kind of? Do you miss being Well, I've got enough uh, green room. Yeah, I do. But then I'm uh, with my tour manager, Ollie. Yeah. We've been working together for many years. And uh, we're always getting up to enough stuff. So there's always exercising involved. You always go. But no, usually I've got my bicycle with me. And yeah. then we go to yoga class or playing golf or hire a surfboard or whatever else it might be. So there's always some physical activity involved. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, the, 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 what, what would be for me at all is uh, be in your room all day until mm. the gig is on and probably watch something on daytime TV or something. I mean, shoot me now. I remember you started, I don't know if you started, Saga, but I only noticed you five or six years ago. I was like, oh, Henning's always on his bike. Is that something you've always I've been, uh, I was yeah. uh, many years ago, when I was a cycle courier back home. Oh, right. When I was at school and then I was working as a bike guide in... Uh, Spain and Greece, yeah. so uh, like like a tour tour guide. Uh, so yeah, I've always ridden a lot, and then sadly, then didn't much riding was going on while I was in London. I lived in London for a few years, but I had to live in a house share, mm -hmm. which was very depressing when you get to a certain age having to complain. You were close about. to me. I was house sharing. Uh, you were near Finsbury Park, weren't you? That's right. Yeah, exactly. you were. And I was Crouch End. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so close and yet so far. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, and I was having a, a, a weird time adjusting to that. Did you, what was your living situation like when you first moved to London? Was it? Uh... First, I li uh, lived in High Wycombe mm -hmm. and that was living with uh, Cyril Rance, rest in peace. Uh, oh. He was already then in his 80s. 
Oh, right. And what, happened, <laughs> what happened was uh, his yeah. wife had died a few years ago. Mm. Then everyone who joined the club, be that player, club secretary, or then me, uh, and we didn't have anywhere to stay, whoever didn't have anywhere to stay, moved into Cyril's spare bedroom. Yeah, and what is a quite funny story because uh, High Wycombe Centre of, uh, of um, uh, Furniture Making. Oh, right. And he was working for Hypnosis or whatever they're called, and they're like the royal bed supplier. Oh, are they? And in his guest oh, wow. bedroom, there was a bed that's been rejected by uh, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> so the second, oh. uh, it was like they sent to the pal- they sent to the pal- they sent the palace a sample of several beds, and then the Queen has a kip in all of them, and then decides I want to keep this one. All the others go back to factory and then are distributed to uh, deserving members of Amazing. the of the factory. So you've got a sack, you've got a, a bed that the queen has slept Shat in. Shat in. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the <laughs> That's it. have you ever did you sleep in that bed? Yeah, that was what that, that, that was the guest bed. Oh, that was the guest bed. Yeah. So he didn't even have the the, the rejected shit bed for himself. No, that wow, was for what, the guests. What a man! Yeah. What a great guy. Good old Cyril. So <laughs> that was in High Wycombe. Then I moved to London and uh, to Greenwich, and I was house sharing with two people I went to school with, uh, oh, nice. Mo and Christian. Because at home we were only speaking German. I said it's no point us all sitting here speaking German. Oh yeah. When we we're in England. So I made a point of then uh, moving out, moving in uh, with English people again. And uh, yeah, moved to Tooting and then cut long story short, went then why I stayed in Ealing as well for a year and a half. Didn't like it that much. And then I ended up at a comedian's house in uh, Crouch End. Oh, yes. The, it's one of the famous. Well, I was in one of the other famous comedian's houses. Mm. I think Russell Howard used to be in mine many years ago and then yeah. ended up with... Uh, we really went down in quality, comedic-wise. <laughs> Just me and loads of Canadian open spots by the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh. but to get back to your show, it's, you, I didn't, this is the thing. So I was thinking, well, Henning is not as committed to the Edinburgh Festival as I am because he's only doing three days out of the set. Mm-hmm. However... You are doing two hours at each show. It's a two-hour show. Now, that is that is quite an, anom- nom- an anomaly, isn't it, really, in Edinburgh? It's usually an hour. That's quite... Yeah, but I thought if the people come out, they might as well see a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Because so. I suppose it's the kind of show that will be their big show of the day. That's right. That's the plan. That's so, the yeah, idea. give them a proper show because an hour yeah. can go... That's it. Mm. And then also, I don't know how you feel about the, the pricing structure, but if I see someone just doing a one-hour show and the ticket is eighteen fifty or something, I think mm. I can't really justify that. So mm. I, would feel like, I would feel like very, very cheeky asking for that amount of money mm. for just an hour. And is there a break? Or do you do the yeah, it's interval in there. Little interval. The interval yeah. is an hour, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, that's, but that's the thing, isn't it? The whole idea is when you go into a venue and when do you leave? And the worst bit of any performance is the time when there is anyone on stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. The waiting for it to start, always great. <laughs> then we say, now is the interval. Again, great. because Yeah, done it. Tick. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, from, so get ourselves a drink. And then all that, have a bit more chatter. 
our thing is going to come out again. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and then, and because it's not easy sitting through a show, is it? Watching a show always feels like an incredible achievement. Yeah. And then I think I want to make it as easy as possible yeah. for the audience. I want everyone to get the full satisfaction. Because it doesn't matter if someone's only on for 20 minutes or three hours. By the end, you'll be knackered and you'll be absolutely delighted that it's over. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I've always uh, liked that, yeah. I'm like, it'll be over soon. And the sooner the better. The yeah. shorter the better. Yeah. I mean, there is a limit if it's just like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> more, well, that wasn't much, was it? But, uh, he didn't even take the mic out of the stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kept walking. But I reckon if the whole performance time over two halves is 90 minutes, that's what I would say after 12 years of touring, mm. I think... 90, 95 minutes over two halves. No one wants any more. Yeah. Well, what, what was the first Edinburgh show you did? Where, where, where What venue was it? I, the first, uh, oh, that was, I'd won the New Act competition, Acne Empire, New Act of the Year in oh, 2005. Yeah. And then as part of the prize, they, uh, they put us uh, on your mixed build show. That was with uh, Simon Brodkin oh, doing right. his Lee Nelson character. And an Indian fella called Papa CJ. That was also Simon Brodkin. <laughs> so you won that. That's quite good. I mean, after three years to win that, that must be boosted the old career. That all happened at the right time. That was in 05. Uh, and it was a short-lived panel show on... Uh, Channel 4 called uh, FAQU. Right. Very short lived, but was hosted by David Mitchell. Mm. So and I was on that for a few episodes. Uh, and uh, then the Football World Cup was coming up in Germany in 12 months' time. And I right. lived, mm. w w worked in football all my life, really. So I thought, now, if I can not make it work now. So now is a good moment. So, and that's why then in May 05, I went full time, just thinking, what's the worst that can happen? So that's when you handed in your notice and went... Yeah, let's see how this goes. Let's see how the comedy goes. Because essentially, see, I've got marketing background. And, uh, and stand-up is no different, is it? Like, oh, what? Because stand-up is define a product, mm -hmm. find customers, retain them. So yeah. it makes no odds if you're selling soap or comedy nights. No, you're the right. The only difference is you become the soap. Yeah. That sounded like uh, like a, an Eastern philosophy. <laughs> Become the soap. <laughs> Have you found that the, the, the career marketing has, has helped you in Edinburgh then? Definitely to, to sell. Well, I think what it's all seeing, I didn't go straight into stand-up. I was, uh, when I did my first gig, I was 29. I think what's helped me more than anything is that I'm fairly level-headed. So uh, it's not, I never put any importance on an individual gig. Mm. Always understood from the word go, gig can go well, can go badly. As long as you think, why did the gig go badly? If the same situation arises again, how would I deal with it differently? I and mean, you have to have that thought process. But other than that, it really doesn't matter if a gig goes badly or goes well, as long as the gliding average of performances mm. improve. You're on the right track, and that's really anyone can ask for. And the other, mm -hmm. you can have good outliers, good or bad, it's just outliers, so they don't matter. Mm. So as long as it's broadly going in the right direction. So and therefore, yeah, I think that's probably what 
I would say for me is the most the most important lesson to learn in comedy mm. is uh, not saying it doesn't matter it doesn't matter, but it, the, the, the in, no individual thing matters everything is like part of a much bigger development yeah so what really helps is uh, write uh, 12 months uh, 12 months plans yeah 12 months 12 months one 12 months plan will uh, su suffice uh, mm. so, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to write several plans uh, no uh, essentially what I do is at the end of the year I write down the, what's been happening over the past 12 months mm. then I define the goals for the next 12 months and then in 12 months time I revisit that I say okay that was a goal Where, well, how did we go on with that how did we go on with that how did we okay did get a radio pilot commission? Why was that? Mm. Okay, because I didn't submit one. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, yeah, and yeah. Then, so and then so then redefine it. And yeah. then how important is it? And all that. And then that all keeps you level headed, mm. really. So that you don't chase one project or then another. It's uh, yeah. nothing gained by that. So just take stock every 12 months, define roughly what you want to do. If you don't achieve any of your goals, doesn't matter as long as you think, why didn't I achieve them? Is it important to achieve them? If yes, how can I get there a different way? So, and then... No, it's you. I mean, that sounds like the most boring pep talk ever, but... Uh, no, but it's, 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 it's good because a lot of comedians don't think like this. We think in the moment... No, it's, not, it's, not even, it's not even just comedians. Is it people any walk of yeah, life? Yeah. Yeah, I want that promotion. Break it there. down, break oh, it okay. down. What, what, and then see why hasn't it, what hasn't happened? Why didn't it happen? Does it matter? Okay, then let's try and get there. Is there a different way of getting there? So, Mine's a ten-year plan. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and it's just it's just got one thing on it. Go live, yeah. <laughs> live this long. <laughs> <laughs> because what's interesting is I've known you for years. You've always been very supportive of me. It's funny because we. I remember you. You took me for a sausage once after a show near St George Square, mm -hmm. and I always remember. It. I was like, "Oh, that was really nice." Went for, a, and then I think we did it again the next year. And every time I pass that sausage stand, I think of you <laughs> <laughs> every year. And I would funnily do though because I went there the first day. I was like. Oh, I remember waiting for that sausage with Henning uh -huh. seven, five, six, seven years ago. Just, um, just to, it sounds like a really boring question now, but just to rein it back into Edinburgh, what has been the mo your Edinburgh moment, the, the the time that you've been up here doing a show? It doesn't have to necessarily be a show or just a moment in Edinburgh that's made you go, oh, that's that was a great moment. I remember that. That's why I come back every year. What was that moment been? Mm. Probably going into the uh, Pentland Hills for the first time. Oh, yeah. And then thinking, I can't believe all this is five miles out of the city centre. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, the, how quickly you are in the countryside yeah, from yeah. Edinburgh. And what and the natural beauty of the place is, uh, is absolutely incredible. And how quickly you are in the borders. You know yeah. that. So it's like that the whole area around Edinburgh is really, really stunning. It is, yeah. I think you forget. Um, I've only noticed, I, I notice it every year, but usually tell it, when you look up in Edinburgh, you go, God, this city is amazing. Like, mm. even the building, like, when I when you come over from Newtown over this way, when you look up, you go, that is just this one hell of a skyline. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. It. 
But we get caught up with looking down, looking at flyers, or at the moment, with the bin strikes, rubbish, trying not to step on. Yeah, what's that all about? I don't know, but uh, I, we support you, <laughs> I think, unless it turns out you're wrong, and then we don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, what's been the moment in Edinburgh, then, that... Uh, let's end the, the podcast. Well, what's been your Edinburgh? moment? My moment, I think, uh, the, the funds and games year. Not, because, not necessarily because of winning the panel thing, panel prize. I think it was just, I think doing something that no one thought would work and having the conviction of your own, like just to, to believe in yourself to a point where I went, I know it will work. And then bringing it up and uh, with a group of friends that none of us thought it would work and doing it every day, the first week to no one, four people, six, three, eight, 12, and then for it to build and build and to then be the talk of the fringe. And it wasn't because we could walk around and people like, because no one remembers it now. It's so funny how quickly people forget. No one knows the hell I am, you know. But it was a, just to have, just to know that you did something from start to finish and it worked. And even if it hadn't worked, I think I'd have been, I think just the fact I just did it. It was absolutely own. stunning, the whole. I've still got, uh, I've still got the, uh, the teacups. Mm. Oh, yeah, the yeah. The Max, yeah, the fun and games and fun and games too. Has it still got the writing on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my mum made Fun and games too. Yeah. Tools, tools. fun and games tools. Oh, yeah. So my mum and dad made all the merchandise. My mum particularly did all the T-shirts and mugs. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think that, um, particularly, uh, maybe 2019 when I, when I did another show that people liked, and I was like, oh, and maybe I'm still relevant. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Not this yeah. year, I tell you what, this year, mate, this has been scratched out of the old memory box. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we just say no 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 painting, no pictures next to bins anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh-huh. But yeah. Um what next? Are you going on tour, Henning? Yeah, it's like uh it's essentially this is continu a continuation of the tour. Right. And it goes until next March. All right, excellent. So it'll all come out in the wash. We'll be touring after Edinburgh. Indeed. But before that, Henning, would you please tell us one more time the name of your show? Well, maybe we've just done it there. The que- uh, It'll the all come out in the wash. And the venue? The Queen's Hall. And the time? S- uh, seven o'clock. I almost failed. Seven o'clock. <laughs> and the, uh, that's on uh, 25th to the 27th. On a Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Uh, Henning, thanks so much for doing this. It's been lovely. Thank you, Phil. Thanks uh, for it. thanks for asking. And as I say, I listened to to the Lloyd episode, and uh, see, I have uh, I didn't bump into Lloyd up here. No, no, he so was. So now, sure. in a way, I feel I've socialised with him. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Ah. And I hope that you listeners at home feel like you've been socialising with us, because there's no way on God's earth we'd talk to you in <laughs> real life. So do not approach us <laughs> at all, unless you come up with your twelve months plan and want some feedback. <laughs> Laminate it. Yeah. Be realistic. Dare <laughs> <laughs> to dream, but don't dream too high. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, Bye. 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 That's the end of today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Only a few to go now, but we've still got amazing guests to come, so keep tuning in. Do like and subscribe. Share it. Follow us around the streets. And take care of yourselves. Bye.